Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Craig Riley back with you with Bucko Talk live from Bowser Chevrolet in Monroeville. Hanging out here till 11. Talking about the week that was for the Pirates. Evaluating where this team is now as the all-star break and trade deadline draw near. Took a bunch of your calls in the last hour. We'll keep doing that this hour. Want to talk with you guys about the Pirates at 412 412- 928-9370. Told you about what happened last night uh, on Twitter. I talked about that Archer injury and what happened with him, and I tweeted out. I thought it was innocent enough. The TV broadcast showed Archer have a look of pain during his last at-bat. If he got hurt during an at-bat, he'd be the second pirate pitcher that happened to along with Trevor Williams. This is one of the main reasons I want the DH in the National League, and I stand by that. I'm very much pro-DH, and I know that may be kicking a hornet's nest in and of itself, but I thought that was innocent enough. Greg Brown, as we know, very anti-DH, came back at me, and Greg and I have talked about it. He's talked with the PM team about why he's against the DH. Totally understand that and enjoy having that back and forth. But then I wake up this morning, and I have, like, you know, you open your phone, you look at Twitter. If you got some notifications, there's that little red circle, on a little red dot that tells you. It, the thing was blowing up this morning. I had no idea why. And then I see Trevor Williams tweet at me saying, who says I got hurt swinging? And he said that he, he thought he remembered it leaving after he threw a pitch, which is all true to Trevor's credit. And I'm not going to argue with him on when or how he got hurt. But the whole argument I made was based off what Neil Huntington told us on his show following Trevor Williams' injury. Remember, it happened in that first game in San Diego of that Padres series earlier this year. And Neil Huntington came out after and said that Trevor got hurt swinging the bat and tried to fight through it and then had to come out, much like we saw with Chris Archer last night. The TV broadcast showed it. You go to Pirates.com, they got a little highlight in there, and you'll hear Greg Brown narrate it as well, that you could see Archer with the bases loaded when he took a swing, winced a little bit, and then sort of grimaced as he came back to the plate, walked around the box, getting back in to dig in for the next pitch. That that That's what happened. These guys get hurt at the plate. They try to go back on the mound and see if maybe it won't affect their pitching mechanics or their throwing motion, and it does. And I still totally stand by the statement that this is one of the big reasons why I want to see the DH in the National League. They don't pay starting pitchers to hit the ball, whether you're in the National League or the American League. It doesn't matter. You give me a pitcher in the National League with the exact same numbers, age, and everything in service time as a pitcher in the American League, and you compare the contracts they sign, they'll be the same. Because they don't pay guys in the National League more money to hit. These guys are paid to pitch. I've talked with Jack Sorensic, the co-host with myself and Dan Zangrilli on the preview show, the NASCO Roofing preview show. And we've talked extensively about the DH. Jack, the head of scouting, the head director of scouting for the Brewers when they made their big push years ago, drafting Braun, Prince Fielder, guys like that. So he saw what it's like to be in the National League, came up with the Mets as well, then was the GM of the Mariners and saw firsthand the difference between having the DH and the AL as opposed to the NL. And his big thing was, we don't pay pitchers 
to hit the ball. They're paid to pitch. And these guys get hurt, and the Pirates have their injuries this year that they're dealing with enough as it is on the mound getting hurt. I don't need to see these guys getting hurt at the plate as well, where they offer you little advantage as well, especially when you consider what a DH would bring you in that situation. So, like I said, unintentionally kicked a hornet's nest. I knew the DH stuff would probably get people going because anytime you say you want the DH in the National League, you're going to get a lot of people going but didn't expect to get called out by Trevor Williams last night on Twitter, despite going back and forth like that a little bit. But I still stand by it. Neil Huntington said he got hurt swinging. I'll take his word for it. Archer looks like he got hurt swinging. So give me the DH in the National League. And like we talked about, if you missed it with a caller earlier in the last hour, I do believe that we are not far from the DH coming to the National League. I think there was a chance that it would have been in play this year if they had discussions closer or further from the beginning of the season. They had them too close to spring training. It had been too tough for NL teams to start to make their moves to get it in. So I think there's a chance we see it this year. But that, that was the whole situation last night for me. Like I said, woke up with all those Twitter notifications. And when you don't tweet something that you expect a big reaction to and then all of a sudden there's a big reaction, you know something's going on. So I woke up and saw that. That was an interesting start to the day. But totally unintentional not trying to get Trevor Williams all fired up about why he landed on the IL earlier this year. But keep taking your calls at 412-928-9370. And also want to take a look back at this week for the Pirates. I spent the first hour talking about whether or not they're closer to seller or contender. I started the week doing the preview show and said that to me they were closer to being a seller, but they could do a lot to change my mind on that front. And so far, from the beginning of that San Diego series to now, they're doing everything they can to make you believe they have the ability to be a contender. They sweep the Padres. That's good. I don't think the Padres are a great team, but a sweep is a sweep. You go into Houston, you take two out of three, and you're the first team this year to go into Houston and take a series against the Astros. That shows me something, especially the way they did it. The Garrett Cole game, and I'm going to talk a lot more about Garrett Cole later this hour. So stick around for that. I'll give you my thoughts on what we saw from him, how I remember him now, all of that still to come on him. But they gave it a good run against Garrett Cole in that game. Garrett Cole is one of the best pitchers in the American League. Strikes out a ton of guys. Goes six innings, seven hits, one earned run, two walks, and three strikeouts. They did a decent job against Garrett Cole, all things considered, and what he has done to teams this year, especially on the strikeout front. He strikes out a ton of guys now and didn't do that as a Pirate, you'll remember, despite the hope and the thought that he had the ability to do so. So they gave it a good run in that game. They lose the first game of that series, but the bats looked a little sluggish, looked better against San Diego. Remember, they had that 11-10 win on Sun- the past Sunday against them. So they struggle in that first game against the Astros, but then they come back against the Astros. And it was a really interesting game because uh, you had Agrizal gets the start. Dario Agrizal starts that game for the Pirates, and you don't know what you're going to get. And all of a sudden, this guy comes out and just throws strikes. Six innings, five hits, one earned run, three walks, and three strikeouts. That was a, a great start by your expectations of calling a guy up like that and seeing what you could get from him. And that was when the bats really came to life. You saw the home run by Bell, his 21st. Gung hits a home run in that game. Osuna hits a home run. Kevin Newman hits a home run. And that's when you got to feel that things, the the ball had really started rolling for this team, that things could start to pick up for them. Because you remember back the week before that Thursday game against the Tigers where the Pirates came back from down a huge deficit and won that game 8-7. to 
And Trevor Williams made mention of thinking that was a turning point for them. And if you look back at what they've done since then, you could make the argument that maybe it was because this team has really picked up since then. They won that game in Detroit 8-7, to and then they sweep the Padres, take two or three from the Astros in this first game against the Brewers. And then that Thursday game against, the, against Houston as well, I, I thought going into that game that the Pirates weren't going to – they'd have a shot. You had Joe Musgrove on the mound, so I wasn't going to roll them out in that regard. But I thought, no way, the Astros haven't lost a series at home all year and the Pirates beat them 14-2 to in that second game, that they'd come back and let them take that third game. But, man, to Joe Musgrove's credit, six innings, nine hits, no earned runs, no walks, and five strikeouts against his former team, and just blanks them. And then the bats come to life again. Kevin Newman, another home run. Corey Dickerson hits one. Josh Bell, another home run, his 22nd. Starling Marte hits a home run. Kevin Stallings gets his first career home run in the major leagues, and you saw them give him the silent treatment in the dugout. They got the ball rolling with the offense this week, and the pitching really has picked it up. So as much as I've talked about this team and the idea that I think I lean closer to seller than contender, when you look back as a whole at what they've done this week, you can absolutely make an argument that they're starting to probably make Neil Huntington think of them it closer in terms of contender when you do what you did to San Diego. You take two or three against Houston, and now this game, the first of the three against Milwaukee, the key now is you're going to have the Cubs come in here for four, the Brewers in here for three before the All-Star break. Conversations will pick up there. And then out of the All-Star break, man, you got three at Chicago, the Cubs, three at St. Louis, three against the Phillies, four at home against St. Louis. You got the Mets for three and then at the Reds for three. So lots of NL Central action in there. But as a team, they can only do what's in front of them and deal with what's in front of them. And to their credit, they're doing it right now. We'll take your calls on this team at 412-928-9370. I believe I said Kevin Stallings earlier talking about his home run. Boy, is that a throwback. Jacob Stallings with his first home run as a pirate. Can't get Kevin Stallings out of my mind sometimes as a Pitt fan as well. But up next, we'll take your calls, 412-928-9370. Keep talking about this team. And like I said, anything you want to talk about from this past week that you saw from them, we'll take your calls on that as well. But I want to focus next on the Pirates seeing Garrett Cole again for the first time. How did you feel about him going into that game? What did you think about getting to see him pitch again and looking at those stats that he put up last year and has put up this year with the Astros, looking like a different pitcher than he did with the Pirates? I'll tell you exactly how I felt about him and how I felt about him when they traded him. Because my thoughts on him have changed, but it's also made me take a look, and I think the Pirates have done the same internally at what they were doing, that they didn't get enough out of him when he was here. Because we've heard them mention since the Tyler Glasnow trade that they look internally after a move like that. When a guy goes somewhere else and has a lot of success, they look at themselves and say, okay, did we miss something? If we did, what did we miss? How could we have addressed it differently? And maybe sometimes you didn't miss. Sometimes it's just a change of scenery. That's where I come down on Tyler Glasnow. But I think internally, Garrett Cole has made them look at what they've done and what they need to do to get more out of the high high leverage, or not high leverage, high talent guys that they bring in like a Garrett Cole. They've done great with reclamation projects. And I'll tell you about the comment Neil Huntington made on that front as well. 
That's all still to come. Craig Riley, we're out at Bowser, Chevrolet, and Monroeville hanging out with for Bucko Talk today. We're here till 11 a.m. You can come by, say hi. I'm looking at a lot of nice cars in front of me as we sit here in the showroom, so you can come by and see those as well. We'll keep taking your calls, 412-928-9370. All that's still to come here on Bucko Talk on Sports Radio, 93.7 The Fan. Snyder and Associates fan text line at 412-928-9370. Edgar Snyder and Associates reminds you to text responsibly. Craig Riley back with Bucko Talk at Bowser Chevrolet in Monroeville, hanging out here till 11, talking about the week that was for the Pirates, looking ahead a little bit, and some of the more interesting things as it pertains to this team, and one of them this past week was seeing Garrett Cole for the first time. I want to give you my thoughts on that coming up here next, but we ask for your calls at 412-928-9370, and we'll take those first. We go out to Munhall and Tony. Hey, Tony. Hi, good morning. Thanks for taking my call. I want to no see, problem. I just want a thought and an opinion on, on what we do now with this roster, with Gonzalez coming back, and, you know, the roster's great. I mean, as soon as a pinch hitter, everybody's falling together. I would like to see him maybe make a small deal at the deadline to bring maybe a bullpen arm or two, but I wouldn't disrupt the, the, the chemistry. So my thoughts on – I want to get the thoughts on that. Cervelli's back with the team. I understand he's taking ground balls at third and second. I don't think he can catch again. I, I think if he's one probably backswing, but he can get with the bad way again and having another bad concussion. So I think there's a concern there. But, Greg, I'm just worried about upsetting the chemistry when they start activating these guys. What's your thoughts on that? Thank you very much. I'll hang up and listen. Thank you. Thank you, Tony, for listening and calling in. I appreciate it. When it comes to Gonzalez returning, that's going to be a really interesting one because the only position for him right now is a backup shortstop. He's not going to take playing time away from Newman unless Newman needs a day off. Gung has been the backup at short. They don't really love him there. So if you're going to shift him just back over to third base, well, that's a crowded spot. you got Moran and Osuna there. So that's going to be a really interesting move to decide what they want to do when they activate Gonzalez. Do they think he's part of any sort of plan in the long term? With Newman playing short now, Cole Tucker likely to take that back and shift Newman over to second at some point in the near future. So I, I don't know what their plans are with him now. They haven't really tipped their hand when it comes to him, and that's going to be an interesting decision they're going to have to make because I didn't love that move when they made it. There were other guys out there that I would have rather seen them sign if they were going to go after a shortstop, uh, Jose Iglesias. The Reds signed him the same way the Pirates signed Melky Cabrera. He's a much better defensive shortstop than Gonzalez, and his bat's actually playing a lot better this year than it has in the past. So they didn't, I didn't think, need to go out and get Gonzalez the way that they did. Nobody knew that Kevin Newman was going to work out the way that he did, especially after what you saw from him in September last year. We've since learned that that was just more about fatigue, that he had put everything into his season, didn't know if he was going to get called up at the end of the season and did, and was just shot. And now this year he's better equipped, knowing he's going to be a major leaguer for most likely the majority of the season and play the full 162-game slate. So they had to go out and get somebody. There were better options, but now they're going to have to make a decision if they're going to activate him at some point, what to do and what roster move to make. As you mentioned, Cervelli, we, we saw he's taking grounders at third and second. I don't think personally, and I know Francisco Cervelli wants to catch. Neil Huntington talked about this during his show uh probably about a month ago when Cervelli got hurt. And you could see the pain on his face when he met with reporters and talked about Cervelli that it's such a tough situation for them to handle because Cervelli wants to keep playing and wants to catch. But from the organization standpoint, you wonder what's good for the person, not the player. And is it in Francisco Cervelli, the person, his best interest to get behind the plate again? And 
If they're going to play him at third and second, I mentioned it with Gonzalez. It's a crowded third base. You got Cabrian Hayes at AAA waiting to come up and take that position and make it his own. Second base is going to get more crowded because you got Frazier there now. But if Cole Tucker comes back at some point and you shift Newman over, where's Cervelli going to play there? And you like what you've seen from Jacob Stallings recently. I'm not fully jumping on that bandwagon just yet because this is a very small sample from what we've seen from him previously. But he's hot right now. You're not going to mess with that. So two really interesting decisions that are going to have to be made about guys that I don't know where their spots are on the roster right now. Take your calls, 412-928-9370. Joseph in the south side wants to talk about this Pirates outfield. Go ahead, Joseph. Well, if you could, you could tell me a team in the National League that has a better defensive outfield than we had last night, let me know. Do you? Is there one? No, that's a great point. Defensively, this is a really, really good outfield right now. Gold gloves okay. uh, in left watching, and center. I've been watching the Pirates for, I guess, about 65 years. Marte is an excellent center fielder with an excellent arm. Dickerson is really, really hustles. When he don't have physically, he makes up from the neck up. And that Reynolds and Newman, we're seeing something in Pittsburgh that probably I've never seen two rookies play as well as them two. And I told you, I've been watching the Pirates for 65 years. There's a couple things I'd like to see them do. I'd like to see them pitch high and tight a little bit more. I think it would help their pitching staff. It really helped Archer out, especially last start. And with a little bit of luck, they would uh, they would have beat that Garrett Cole. They hit line drives all over the field. They just didn't fall in. That's baseball. But when I see Melky Cabrero tear down that first baseline like a madman, these guys want to win. And that's all you can ask of any athlete is the will to win. All right, thank you. Thank you, Joseph, for the call. A bunch to sort of unpack there. I agree. I absolutely love watching Melky Cabrera this year. I'm a huge fan of what he does and how he carries himself, what he brings to this team as well in, in the clubhouse. Guys turn to him. that you can't, you can't sort of quantify what that does for the team, but I know it's made an impact on several guys in there. And uh, something, you, something Joseph mentioned there that was very interesting about pitching high and tight, that's sort of a change in philosophy, I guess, from what we've seen this Pirates organization do. And that leads me into what I wanted to say about Garrett Cole, because Garrett Cole, man, when you saw him pitch this week against the Pirates in, I'll be honest, I bet the over that he was going to strike out more than seven and a half Pirates in that game, because to that point in the year, he had 16 starts, 12 of the 16, he struck out more than seven guys, two of them, he struck out seven, but the Pirates, to their credit, battled against him he only struck out three pirates that is to the point in this year his lowest strikeout total against any team and this is a guy with strikeout totals he got 10 11 another 10 he struck out 11 he struck out 12 twice he struck out 14 orioles on june 7th this guy strikes out a ton of batters and you just look at what he's done since going to houston in general last year 32 starts 276 strikeouts this year in 17 starts, 151 strikeouts on a similar pace as last year, actually a little bit higher even, striking out 13.2 per nine this year. That is insane. But when I look at that, that's what frustrates me about Garrett Cole not being who he was 
with the Astros when he was here with the Pirates. The Pirates needed to trade him. I thought it was the right time with the amount of control they still had left. He was unhappy here. The comments he made fighting them over like tens of thousands of dollars, wanting a raise, and you could just see it in the way that he carried himself. He needed to be moved. Did I want to see them get more? Absolutely. But I think you feel that way about most trades as well. But I was glad he was gone when he was gone. I didn't like the mentality that he brought to the team. I didn't like his attitude. And I didn't like the results based on what was expected from him, especially in that last year with the Pirates. He spent 2013 through 2017 with the Pirates. He made the All-Star game once. He was the He's 1-1. First round, first pick. That That's more, you should expect way more out of him than that. And then in that last year with the Pirates, 2017, 33 starts. That's great. 203 innings. Happy he's over 200. He had a 426 ERA. His worst ERA to that point is a Pirate. 2013, 322. 2014, 365. 2015 was that all-star year. All the way down to 260. And that's where you thought, okay, this is the guy we drafted. This who it's. This is who we're going to have. Then 2016, the injuries, only 21 starts and a 388 ERA. And then 2017 was just by the standards of what you expect from a guy like that, a disaster. A 426 ERA. So uh, I was happy to see him go. I, I wish there was more in the trade. But it, going back to what Joseph said about wanting to see the Pirates pitch high and tight, that's the difference between the Pirates and the Astros in a team like that, which that's what's frustrating to me about Garrett Cole as well, looking back on that start and thinking about who he was as a pitcher with the Pirates and who he is as a pitcher with the Astros. Now, that's a different guy. They have him throw a different pitch mix. They have him attack batters in a different way. The Pirates, to their credit, are pretty good and one of the better teams, I'd say, in all of baseball with these reclamation projects and getting a lot out of a little. What they're not good at is getting a lot out of the more talented guys. And I want to talk about that coming up next as well. Keep taking your calls at 412-928-9370. We'll get your calls on Garrett Cole, what you thought seeing him pitch again, what you thought going into that game, plus that interesting comment from Neil Huntington that he made about Garrett Cole and what the Pirates did with him and have done with other guys here. That's all still to come. Craig Riley with Bucko Talk. We are live. Bowser, Chevrolet, and Monroeville bringing you this show up until 11 o'clock. Hanging out here. Stop by. Say hi. Call in as well. We'll take your calls. That's all still to come here on Sports Radio 93.7 The Fan. Craig Riley back with you from Bowser, Chevrolet, in Monroeville with Bucko Talk taking you up to 11 a.m. Bob Pompiani follows us after that. We've been talking about the past week for the Pirates, looking at what they've done, how they've gotten to this point, the big question leading into the week about whether or not they'd be a seller or buyer as the trade deadline and all-star break draw near. They're answering a lot of that with the way they're playing right now, and that was the approach I took to it. Said before the Padres series, I thought they were closer to a seller, but they could convince me otherwise with a good stretch of games leading all the way up to the All-Star break, not just a series or two, and so far they've done that. Sweep the Padres leading into the beginning of this week. You take two out of three from Houston in Houston, which nobody else has done this year, and then you take this first game against Milwaukee, so they're starting to prove themselves a little bit, but a long ways to go in my eyes, up to that All-Star break, and then the game's out of it as well. We'll keep taking your calls at 412-928-9370. In the last segment, we talked about Garrett Cole, what it was like for you, seeing him again for the first time, pitching against the Pirates, and what you thought looking back on him, and I have that 
comment Neil Huntington made about him and talking about reclamation projects as well that I want to get to you and talk about that as well. But we'll take your calls at 412-928-9370. Bob in Pittsburgh. Hey, Bob. Hey, how you doing? Good. Uh, I was I was going to comment on Garrett Cole the other night. He was his usual. He pitches four or five good innings. He was one pitch away from blowing up. He's mm-hmm. the same as he was, if you ask me. I mean, his record, look at his one and loss record. What is it, six and five, I think, now? But uh, I wasn't that impressed with him. And the other comment I wanted to make about uh, some of the changes the Pirates are talking about making, they want to get rid of Marte or Vasquez. Bad move. They're both apart. Well, I don't think they want to get rid of Vasquez. The, the report was this week from John Morosi that the Dodgers want him and that the Pirates yeah. might listen, but my guess is they'd have to be blown away to make a move on him. Right, right. He's good. He's a, You're not going to get a better reliever for the price. And as far oh, as yeah. Marte, he's, he's playing some of the best ball he's played right now. Why would you get rid of him? If they want to get rid of anybody, you know who to get rid of? Cervelli, Polanco, and Kang. They're dead weight. You know what they can do, and that's not too much. Well, thanks, Bob, for the call. I appreciate it. Thanks for listening. For getting rid of Cervelli and Gong, those are going to be tough moves because I don't know who's going to want them. They tried moving Cervelli twice this offseason, at least. They talked with the Dodgers twice about trying to move him, and they couldn't bite. And I don't know, based off what we've seen from Gong, who would want him. Polanco, it's at least possible because of the team control. I would think that some team might find that attractive and think that they can get more out of Polanco than what the Pirates have done. Keep taking your calls. we got Matt on the cell. He wants to talk about Garrett Cole. Go ahead, Matt. Yeah, hey, uh, Craig, good uh, good to speak at you. Uh, you too. Yeah, the, uh, amen to everything you said about uh, Garrett Cole. He he was uh, he was a pinhead uh, when you get down to it, and I, I don't see how you can have a good clubhouse with a guy like that around, and I'm really glad they got rid of him. And uh, just uh, another comment is I haven't seen so much talent come up as one year since uh, Freddie Lynn and uh, Jim Rice came up. You know, they came up the same year in Boston. Imagine that. Uh, yeah. And we got uh, a similar situation. So uh, I'll do like these guys do, hang up and uh, listen to you, Craig. <laughs> thanks. Well, thanks, Matt. Good to talk to you. And with Cole, I said it earlier, I didn't like his attitude, his approach, the mentality he took. I mean, he, he would call guys out. And we saw that with A.J. Burnett. You remember when he was really unhappy with the shift. And Garrett Cole, probably better stuff, definitely better stuff than A.J. Burnett at that point. But you know what? A.J. Burnett had still won. He was a winner in this league. And he was brought in here to bring a winning mentality to the team. I didn't have as big of a problem with him doing that. I, I didn't like Garrett Cole doing it, having not really proven himself to that point. But uh, I, I, did, I certainly didn't like that about him, amongst some other things. And the complaining about not making enough, despite the team control, that's what told me that he was probably not going to be long for here anyways. But uh, I had mentioned before the comment Neil Huntington made that he was asked a lot about Garrett Cole leading up to that start, and he made a comment about Ray Searage. He, he was asked about Cole and flipped it to, well, you know, we didn't get the most out of Garrett Cole, but look at what Ray Searage does with all these reclamation projects, and he deserves credit for that. And I agree. The Pirates are one of, if not the best teams in all of baseball at these reclamation projects, and they need to be. Because if you're a small market team, that's where you're going to have to find starting pitching at times. I'm not taking away from what Ray Searage has done with guys like A.J. Burnett, who I just mentioned, Francisco Liriano, his first time here, and now most recently Jordan Lyles. It's absolutely been impressive how they've gotten so much more out of those guys than what we had seen from them recently. And there's more than just those three. There's guys they've done it with in the bullpen, other starters along the way. But you know what? It's true. 
they have these reclamation projects, and that's great. But I trade every last one of them to get out of Garrett Cole with Houston, Charlie Morton with Houston, what he's doing now this year, and what Tyler Glass now was doing with the Rays as well before he got hurt. I would trade all those reclamation projects to get those versions of those guys with the Pirates because reclamation projects are great. And they're important, like I said, for small market teams. But it's infinitely more important to develop your own aces, something they haven't done. And with Garrett Cole and Tyler Glass, now those are guys they could have developed through the minors, up to their majors, turned into aces, and then had six years of team control over and ridden the wave of that and having them. Imagine Garrett Cole here right now, the version of Tyler Glass now that the Rays have, which I don't know if the Pirates would have ever gotten. I thought change of scenery was necessary for him. But if you had that, and Charlie Morton, who never became all that expensive, those are three guys that theoretically, if things shake out differently, could be Pittsburgh Pirates right now. And not to say they would have gotten them to the level they are now, but imagine them in one rotation together pitching the way they are. That's why I say I'll trade all these reclamation projects for the high-end talent. It allows you not just, like I said, the control, but it gives you the ability to make deep runs into the postseason, which this team has not done, because you're going to throw out stud after stud. Give me Cole, Morton, and Glass now over all the reclamation projects. And when I sort of planned out today's show and started thinking about that, made me wonder and start to think about Mitch Keller. It's way too early to make judgments on him, but honestly, before he even made his first start in the majors, I worried about him because he's the type of guy we heard. They drafted with all this talent. They're developing to become an ace. And we've heard that about enough guys now, and it hasn't panned out, that I'm leery. I'm leery of when we hear about guys like this and whether or not they're going to turn into that ace. They, the Pirates have a real knack, and it's a good one to have as a small market team for getting a lot out of a little, which, like I said, very useful skill. But as you start to look at yourself as more of a real contender, becomes more important to get the most out of the most talented guys as opposed to squeezing that last bit of talent out of the lesser talented guys. It's so much more important to me to see them maybe shift their philosophy or shift whatever they're doing to develop these guys or the way they make them pitch. The Pirates have a certain philosophy that they like to see their starting pitchers execute. Sometimes you just need to let a guy be a strikeout pitcher. Maybe sometimes a guy just is who he is, and he is a strikeout pitcher that can go out and get guys out. He's not the pitch to contact, keep it low in the zone sort of guy that they try to make a lot of these people. And like we saw with Garrett Cole, obviously didn't work out because he didn't reach his potential here. So keep taking your calls, 412-928-9370. And we have Bill in North Huntington. Go ahead, Bill. How you doing? I agree with everything you said. But one thing, the Buccos don't get any respect. I mean, I watched ESPN today, and they mentioned our division, but they didn't mention the Pirates. They didn't mention anything about the Buccos. And I, I give them credit, you know. Uh, the over-under was 78.5 this year, and I bet under. I thought I had a sure winner. Now I'm starting to doubt it. Yeah, Bill, I think a lot of that has to do with what the bats have done. We expected the pitching to be good, and it was great to start the year. Cold off. But it's looking more like you probably expected when the year started. And nobody expected what the bats have done. I mean, Josh Bell was a question mark coming into the season. We previewed the year and said he was one of the big guys that needed to pan out if they wanted things to go their way this year. Nobody ever, and I'm as optimistic about Josh Bell as it comes, by the way. I, I believed even through last year that he'd figure it out. But never could I have expected what he's doing now. And that's been the big difference for this team. Go back out to the lines. we got Todd on the cell. Go ahead, Todd. 
Hello? Hey, Todd, you there? Yeah. Go ahead. Oh, I'm sorry, I didn't know you. Yeah, I was, uh, Ray, Ray Searage, um, you know how, you know, pitchers, they, they have a lifespan. And I think he may have reached his as far as a pitching coach in this town. He he has done some reclamations. Yeah, they've worked. They got lucky. But as far as bringing up the, the, the supposed studs, they're not doing any good at it at all. And I, I'm afraid for the new guys, the same thing's going to happen. It, it seems very repetitive. They get these studs and they just – they send them out the pasture way too early, I think, too. Well, Todd, thanks for the call. And here's the thing. It goes back to the idea of being a small market team. You can get your hands on more reclamation projects than you can potential aces. You saw, I mean, Garrett Cole is a potential ace when he was with the Pirates. He had that all-star year. He's looked like it with the Astros. But how often can the Pirates get their hands on a guy like Garrett Cole where you're going to have the first pick in the draft? You can get a ton of reclamation projects, and that's where I think Ray Searage makes his bread and butter with this team, is that if push comes to shove, they're going to get more reclamation projects than potential aces. And if he can keep getting more out of those reclamation projects, then they're going to keep him around because they're going to, they're going to just going to, it's the value move for them. You're not going to have that many aces, so it's more important, I would think, to them than is they value it to have a guy that can deal with reclamation projects over aces. But if you want to win a World Series, and I think this team is past the point now where 500 is an expectation of success, my thought for them is make it to a World Series. Make deep runs in the playoffs. That's what I want from them. And if you're going to do that, it requires aces, and they just haven't developed them. So that's what I think they need to see more of, and we need to see more of, if you want to get more out of this franchise moving forward. But... That wraps it up for us here on Bucko Talk. We're live out at Bowser, Chevrolet, Monroeville. It's been great broadcasting out here, getting to meet and talk to some people and talk to you guys as well about this team. It's been a lot to talk about. It was a busy, eventful week, plenty going on, so a great time to host Bucko Talk and get a chance to talk with you about the team. Give you fan weather brought to you by Sun Chevrolet McMurray. The sun is shining, and it's time for Sun Summer Sizzling Sell-Down event. Intervals of clouds and sun, warm and humid with a couple of strong thunderstorms around this afternoon and early evening. A high of 86 degrees and some clouds lingering overnight tonight and a low of 66. Be sure to stick around the Bob Pompiani Show coming up next here on Sports Radio 93.7 The Fan. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.